Okay, I'm rolling. Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Andrew. Hey, this is Josh. It is the 13th of April, 2021. We're oh, still in spooky. the trenches of spooky COVID lockdown. Yeah, it's always spooky with COVID, I guess. Except it's only Tuesday the 13th, so we're not even close to a Friday the 13th. Yeah, that sucks. Well, but the days don't mean anything anymore, so it might as well be Friday. Every day is a Friday the 13th. It's true. That's how it feels these days. Or a Saturday the 14th. See, I wish. I wish everything felt like a Saturday the 14th. <laughs> it might be easier to take. People request that movie so often, and I'm like, I don't think you really <laughs> want to see that movie. Nobody would come, <laughs> I feel like. It's one of those ones you're like, oh, yeah, Jeffrey Tambor. and like, Although, I guess, you know, he's had his troubles lately. But still, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, classic. And then two people show up. It's one of those seems like a good idea on paper, and then, yeah, two people show up. And one of them is Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> Not even 14 people. No, sadly. <laughs> there have been nights like that. I can't remember the specific example where you're sitting there and you're like, oh, this is a half-decent crowd. But then you realize it's Andrew and myself and Gwen and Lee and a friend of his and Eric's there. And you're like, okay, wait a minute. There's 25 people here and 15 are Mayfair people. So it's like... <laughs> yeah. And I wonder, and they're obviously like people with Mayfair cards. So at best, you sold how many $8 tickets? <laughs> like, Yeah. Anytime where somebody requests a movie, sometimes it's one we haven't heard of. Sometimes it's great. But often it's that thing of, well, you know, if we play a movie, we have to hope that 50 people are going to show up. Sometimes a cult movie is a cult movie for a reason. We screen Space Jam and five people show up or we screened you know, some other cult movie like that and five people show up. And, you're, and at that point, it's like, if you have a handful of friends and you could all chip in, just rent the cinema and watch it because that is a yeah. more likely endeavor to get you to see your favorite movie on the big screen, unless it's something a little bit more commonplace. And, and the Space Jam is definitely one people will ask for now with the second one coming. I mean, we're not even open, but you just know that's going to be, the, oh, are you going to do a double bill with the new one? And you're like, nobody came the last time. Yeah, <laughs> that's People always get heartbroken when you say that. You're like, oh, the last time we screened that movie, we had seven people. So it's hard to justify bringing it back again, but never say never. And it is fascinating that there's a few exceptions. You can argue a few other titles, but really in the last 40 plus years, it's The Room and Rocky Horror. Those are the two cult films and we screen them both. Like more than anyone. And temporary ones like Neil Breen and Sharknado. Yes. Breen does well. We get that at least. He does, yeah. Neil Breen works for one to three screenings. Yeah. <laughs> then it's done. And then people's brains explode. <laughs> yeah, basically. I did watch the last one twice because we played it twice and I was like, ah, why not? I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous, so might as well. The last one I remember, there was a young woman sitting three or four seats over from me and she unironically not being facetious there was a point in the movie where you could tell she wasn't trying to riff or be a jerk <laughs> or heckle but the words came out of her mouth and it was something like she just went like what is happening <laughs> she was <laughs> genuinely flabbergasted yeah even for breen that last one didn't you know once his twin or his evil twin showed up <laughs> you know something weird was happening and what's the state of the breen production now is he he was doing that weird wasn't he crowdfunding to do his eight hour long movie, not a movie thing. Well, that's out his behind the scenes thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can get that, I think. Now he's, well, he was supposed to make a sequel to the last one, but I don't know if that's his next movie. Like he, I know he's, he's trying to like make his next movie and he's looking for 
funding or whatever. I don't I don't really understand him to be honest, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's the sequel. Andrew, did you look at it or like is that behind the scenes thing? Is he just doing audio commentary wrong? Is he just like sitting there with <laughs> It's uh well, I saw Red Letter Media did a review of it and it's like a sort of a documentary about it's him trying to do a master class, I think. Right. It's Neil Breen's master class. His TED Talk. And it's him sitting in his living room explaining the ins and outs of how to make a movie, the Neil Breen way. <laughs> yeah. Whether or not that's a good way is, uh, is debatable, but... Yeah. Well, that's it. You don't got to go to film school anymore. You just got, you got that. You're set. Yeah. Well, it's worked for him. He was always weird, too, because, and I'm sure will continue to be in that glorious future when we're screening movies again, but he was very... Despite the content of his films, we weren't allowed to show them as quote-unquote midnight films. That's right. They couldn't start... I believe they could not start any later than 9 p.m. So not 9.10, not 9.15. And we couldn't screen it like that often. Like, it was very strange. It was very limited edition. Like, we were allowed to screen it on Friday, Saturday night, and that's it. I remember Lee talking with him, because there wasn't, like, Neil Breen's people. It was him, of being like, can we screen it on Wednesday? And he didn't want to, because I think he had in his mind that it was, like, I don't know, what's the term, like oversaturating the market with his product? He wanted to keep it really like one night only kind of. Yeah, because didn't we have to ask him specifically to screen it again, like Twisted Pair? Yeah. He wanted people wanting more, I guess. Yeah. It makes sense. He wasn't, I don't know if this is still a thing, Andrew, you might know an update on this, but I remember at one point he didn't put his stuff out on Blu-ray because he knew Blu-ray was a very good quality akin to what we would screen on DCP almost. And he was afraid that if he put his stuff on Blu-ray, cinemas like the Mayfair would buy a Blu-ray and then have screenings without telling him or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, which is not cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I get the fear, but it's also, I don't know. I mean, you would think eventually he would put out some of the early stuff at least. Like, that's what I'm wondering. Like, how long before, I mean, physical media is, you know, it's kind of niche as it is. I'm just yeah. wondering if he's going to hit a point and probably in like 10 years, he's going to be like, okay, I'm putting out a Blu-ray box set. <laughs> like, what? I'm very curious about that because we're all people who still buy Blu-rays. I buy them much fewer than I used to for sure, but I still get them, especially special ones to me, like The Wizard mm -hmm. every once in a while. Oh, yeah. But I just have a feeling that we're approaching the end because just with the way of streaming and digital downloads and a younger group than us who is happy to just do that or video store almost like pay $4.99 to rent a new movie that kind of thing from what i understand the high-end $30 rentals of stuff like mulan actually worked pretty well so that's not gonna go away so yeah i don't think it, the same thing with like books and albums and comic books they're not gonna go away but it's definitely gonna be a different world especially on the heels of covid and everyone just sitting at home watching stuff for a while yeah, the convenience definitely is a factor, but it is nice to see stuff like uh, companies like Vinegar Syndrome step up and still put out an incredible physical package because it's just, yeah, it's so rare. And, and so many companies rightly so from their perspective have sort of stopped putting effort into special features or even commentaries, which is kind of the point in a lot of these things. Like, I mean, for me anyway, that was always the point was like, give me something. Like, I don't want an interactive menu. Like, give me something like I can, <laughs> I can chew on here. Like. So it's kind of, it's nice that there still are those companies are like, you know, Arrow and uh, Scream Factory, you know, there's still like a bunch, but I guess it's just because like the people who can still afford to buy this stuff are the people who are like getting older 
like the, you know not like us of course we're not gonna no, no. but <laughs> like other people you know so it's it's at least like there's a cushion i would say for at least another decade but who knows where it's going i just got a couple of vinegar syndrome releases oh. i got malibu high oh nice i'm sold already <laughs> and um a movie called jeremy which is sort of like a teen romantic drama hmm. with robbie benson of course. I don't know if anyone remembers him, <laughs> but they're both really good. Well, Malibu High is like so bad it's good, but Jeremy, yeah. Jeremy's really, really good. Is Malibu High like a wannabe Porky's or more serious than that? You'd think it is. It's kind of, they marketed it as like a, um, you know, a TNA high school sex comedy. And it's about this girl who's this bad girl who wants to graduate, get good grades and graduate from high school, but not do any work. So she turns to like sexual favors to the teachers. Oh my God, <laughs> this doesn't sound good. <laughs> she becomes a prostitute to uh, fund this cushy lifestyle where she can buy a nice car. And this leads her to being a high school hit woman. Of course, of course it does. <laughs> it's crazy. So it's just like a downward spiral. It's it's weird. It's like a. It's almost kind of like a film noir. Man, yeah, like that sounds <laughs> like seventies. Good seventies exploitation style. Jeez. Uh, okay. Well, I am more intrigued now. <laughs> like the longer that you talked, the more I was interested. <laughs> it's quite something. I'm recommending this Man. film. And the Blu-ray looks sensational. Like it's. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, the transfer, the restoration. It's it's amazing. That's the funniest thing about nowadays is the love and care and restoration skill going into the type of movie that is just what once upon a time was just gas station video store trash yeah, yeah. and they're treating them and it's funny it's it's great but they're treating them like it's like oh some lost orson wells epic or something like that but it's just <laughs> malibu high <laughs> so, yeah people want to see these movies and, oh yeah and many of them many of them are really good not all of them are the so bad it's good variety many of them are like jeremy is a really good film it, it's these two teenagers in new york and, you know, it's like, it's almost like Degrassi High or Degrassi Junior High, kind of awkward teenage love. It's quite moving, actually. And again, it's like vinegar, vinegar syndrome. Like, it's, it looks fantastic, the transfer. Yeah, like Massacre at Central High is another one we're talking about where it's like actually good. It's not just like trash. It's actually really good. Yeah. No, it's cool to see these things get. I, I love the attention they give to regional horror, especially. Like, they've been doing a lot of those. And again, like, they're not all good good but it's fascinating to me to, to just i love i've always loved that and i'm never going to be that guy i thought in, a, in a, another lifetime i was but you know the ali demar basically you know where you're like you love film so much that you're making these movies that are like regional but like that hit people in the heart you know like from all over the world yeah and i just i love that no budget but just so much heart yeah exactly and it's funny like I stand corrected from a couple weeks ago because I think, Andrew, you missed a week, but we were chatting about I have a VHS copy of Steel and <laughs> it got stuck in a VCR and I was the only person ever to be like gasping that like, oh, no, my copy of Steel might get wrecked. With Shaq? With Shaq, mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah. You got it. The star of Kazam himself. And now I need it. If anyone out there has a VCR they want to give me, I need a VCR again because my VCR broke. Because it has steel in it. There's hipster ones out there that they've like remade the same way that Once Upon a Time Records made a comeback and everything. But records, if you're a music aficionado, they're high quality. But it's funny that they're treating VHS like this now. Like there's some movies where, or Kickstarters, where one of the perks is 
get this movie on VHS for $75. And you're like, yeah. but wait, that's the lowest quality. That's worse than getting a DVD. I don't understand. Yeah, I only like it for stuff that made to be old or to look old. Or also there's some stuff that just never got a physical release. Like I remember when they did that with The Basement. It was like camp. I can never remember the name of it. It was the same one. They did all the, all the DTV stuff from the 80s, 90s. That was like Cannibal Cookout and all that all that junk, basically. <laughs> but the basement was this one that just never got released. And they just found a, a chunk of eight millimeter tapes or whatever it was. And then they put it together for the first time. And so for that release, it came as a two DVD set, but also with a VHS. And it was like a big box VHS like it would have got if it ever did get a release. So I thought stuff like that is pretty cool. Yeah, like I have, it's funny, the hipster nostalgia but I have a copy of The Legend of Billie Jean. But I don't know. It's it's a mainstream movie. It's like Paramount or whoever, MGM. But they packaged the Blu-ray so it looked like a VHS tape and even had not an actual sticker on it, but like faux new release sticker on it and please rewind. Yeah, that's Milk Creek Entertainment doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's funny that they're packaging and it looked great, except that it's too thin. But if you look at it and not paying attention, it looks exactly like it would have in a video store back in the day. But like I was saying for Steel, I have to stand corrected because I hadn't looked in a while. I might not have looked in like five years, but I looked after having chatted about it on the podcast and not only is it out there, it's out there everywhere. You can go onto YouTube and you know how nothing new, but you can just rent movies on YouTube. So you can go on YouTube and rent Steel for two ninety nine or whatever. And it's available on DVD. I don't think Blu-ray, but on DVD. And that's because Warner Brothers does this thing called Warner Archives. And they essentially, it was wise of them where they're like, okay, Steel's not going to sell 3 million copies and we're not going to distribute it out to... Walmarts and chapters and blockbusters if they still existed. But mm-hmm. we know a handful of nerds will buy this. So we'll make a very small print run and we'll sell them all for, you know, maybe we'll charge 20 bucks instead of 15 a piece and that'll cover our costs. And there you go. So it's funny that a, a completely forgotten, nobody cares about, nobody liked it movie like Steel is out there. You can just get it now. We're in that interesting time where... There is some fun, like back before any of our times, like imagine if you were in like the mid 70s and you want to watch Charlie Brown Halloween, you had one night. And if you missed it, if you happen to be trick or treating during the time it was on or at a school event or at grandma's for dinner, you had to wait another year. And that's completely gone now. You never have to wait for anything. We like that. (laughs) Yes. Convenience is nice. (laughs) So we're not going to get a DCP of steel to screen at the Mayfair, but I will uh, always be able to catch it. Kitty cat. <laughs> I can hear a cat in the background. Yeah, she like, come on. Don't you know that I'm podcasting? Come on, get out of here. She's trying to steal your thunder. Yeah, she's a big fan of steel, so oh, I'm not yes. surprised. Yeah, she's, she's like, you guys talking about uh, steel? I love Shaq. Don't bring up Shazam in front of her. <laughs> yeah, that's Kazam, not Shazam. Did I say Shazam? Oh, sorry. Yeah, Shazam was good. Kazam was <laughs> not, not so good. So good. Yeah, that's the blank check era there that's uh, not not remembered so fondly. So I got to visit the Mayfair today. Just had to go in and switch up the marquee again because we've been selling off marquee rentals pretty frequently. I've got them for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday coming up. And in between, we'll either just put up a we'll be back soon or some cool little quote up there or something like that. But the other thing that we're doing is while I was doing some cleaning and 
Gwen and I fixed up our poster room, which went from disaster to pretty much clean. It's my greatest accomplishment is getting that poster room fixed up. <laughs> Found this big box of old marquee tiles. And I'm guessing they were from the previous marquee because they just, they don't quite fit I like the good variety. I like the percentage one. I think that's a funny like, thing to have. Yeah. So we have a handful of, they're going to be gone maybe by the time I actually post this podcast. But so we have this big box and we can't make use of them because they just don't quite fit our marquee. And so we have like a an R rating and a G rating and a couple other things. That PG-13 is gigantic. Yeah. The PG-13 is the thing that I think would actually look really cool if you framed it and put like a black background on it and stuck it up on your wall. I think that would look really, really cool. Unfortunately, we don't have a ton of letters. I had a handful and one guy realized he could spell Adam, but I was just going first come first serve and I got rid of the M like right away. So the letters are almost all gone, but I think I still have about 20 PG-13s and R's and they're just like a fun little thing. And people have been buying those and it's kind of just part garage sale and part fundraiser of I want to get them out of the basement. We really can't make use of them, but I think we have some patrons who would think they're a cool little cinematic souvenir. So if anyone's listening and hasn't spotted that on our social media, you can just go to our website under contacts and find how to get in touch with us for that. But now I want a PG-13 now that you guys are talking it up. I'm like, I, I would have thought I would never want that. Now Andrew's bragging about it, how cool it would look. <laughs> like, come on. Framing is expensive, but what I always do is just at a place like Michael's or whatever, you can get random frames that are close enough. And mm -hmm. so even if it's not the specific size, you can get a close enough and then just put some red cardboard behind it or something like that, that you buy at a dollar store and it looks really nice. And I've done that a couple of times where I have a, just a strange sized rectangular comic book print and you go into a framing store and they genuinely, they're like, this will cost $350 for two different sizes. It'll cost you $700 to frame your two art prints. Or you walk into Michael's and you're like, I got these two for 40 and they're a little bit too big. And I just put some colored paper behind it and it looks awesome. So I'm sure they're not easily fit into a frame size, but yeah, I think if you get one and stick it in a frame, I thought there'd be some hipster nostalgia cinematic want for these. So, and I was right They're They're selling like hotcakes. So. That's good. There you go. And like, even though Adam was unhappy, maybe Ada from Ada's yeah, Diner. Ada. <laughs> yeah. There's always an Ada. I could be wrong, but I think all I have left for the letters are an X and maybe an O and a four and the percentage sign. I think that's what I have left, but then. Oh man. So like an ox could totally buy those. That would be good. It was funny. I typed in the magic of the internet, the magic of wasting your time on the internet. But I typed in the like 25 random letters I had. And it spelt out all these random rock and roll band names. Wait, you didn't do that on your own? I, no. <laughs> I thought you just came up with those on your own. Yeah, I did. I'm really smart. Jeez. <laughs> oh, They're almost all gone. But yeah, I think the PG-13s are the real cool thing. And then even like an R and a G <laughs> is pretty neat. If, he, if someone bought a whole set, they bought PG, G, R, PG-13. And they're on plastic too. So you can put them up in your, like your washroom and like the shower wouldn't hurt them, you know, because I'm always afraid to put like a framed piece of paper in the bathroom because I'm like, wouldn't the condensation get in there? But mm, true. 
Well, Paul George, the basketball player Paul George is number 13, and so his nickname's PG-13. Oh, you So if anyone out there is a Paul George <laughs> fan, you know, then that, that's another a double. What city does he play for? He's on Kawhi Leonard's team, the Los Angeles Clippers. So, But, you know, he was on Indiana for a long time. So maybe, you know, some former Indiana fans, maybe they want to help out the Mayfair and remember that player who used to play for them. If you're a Clippers fan and you want to be in the crowd holding up something that really gets his attention, <laughs> one of these PG-13 marquee tiles would be uh would get you on tv i'm sure yeah you're a real fan if you don't buy one of these pg-13 tiles like i would think not if i was his manager i'd be making pg-13 shirts also a fun fact to get a canadiana thing in there hit band treble charger was originally named pg-13 oh (laughs) so if you're a treble charger fan or a paul george fan or a movie fan we have you covered or if you have a friend or family member who is a fan of one or all three of those this would be an amazing gift Actually, you know what? My bad. They were called NC-17. I got the wrong rating Ah. there. But I remembered quickly enough that it doesn't matter. Now we're never going to sell these. (laughs) I know. I really screwed us on that one. But it's funny. I still am getting emails as if we know what we're doing and making some kind of decision during these times. Just today, somebody was like, it was fine. But basically what I've been telling people is place your order now, e-transfer me the money. I'm marking you down. The tiles are yours and we can just hang on to them for you because we don't know when we're going to be open. And whenever you visit for a movie, you can come and get them. But some people need them earlier because one person I know wanted it for a birthday that's coming up before May. So anytime before we're going to be back open for sure. And I said, well, I'm there a couple times a week. We'll figure something out. And one person asked, oh, do you know when you'll be back? And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. Nobody knows. I wish. <laughs> yeah. Like, like we don't get a call before anybody else. We will find out when there's a press release or a conference, just like everybody else does. Like we don't get a head start. So that's the big complaint that a lot of restaurants and stuff have had is they'll be like, you're closing tomorrow. And you're like, we just bought the weekend supply of eggs and meat and food and everything. And now we can't sell it. So, oh man, the place in the market, the Senate, they just put pizza ATMs in the alleyway. What? Yeah, it's like they make the pizzas, so they have the kitchen staff make the pizzas on site, but they're not open as a restaurant. So instead, they bought pizza ATMs, which are just giant machines where you pay your 10 bucks, and then it beats up the pizza for you. And, and in three minutes, you get your uh, artisanal pie, and you support the business. That's wow. crazy. Yeah. I picture it like an old Looney Tunes <laughs> Acme yeah. kind do, of do, thing. Do, 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 yeah, do, exactly. Do, do. With that song, <laughs> like a robot with accordion arms comes out and passes you a pizza. It would be amazing. Yeah, a little Raymond Scott playing. Like, that'd be perfect. I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Like, at first I was like, ah, it's a weird idea. But then I was also like, drunk people in the market. I mean, they can't go to bars, but there's prob- they're probably still drunk and then they're in the market. <laughs> yeah, for they're all still wandering around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, I don't know where to go, but there's a pizza ATM over there. So I feel like it's not a terrible plan. It was 160K to buy the machines. And then I oh guess they're just hoping it'll pay for itself over time. And so instead of uh, opening the restaurant, they kind of did a cost comparison. And so they keep on the cooks for reduced hours, but like they prepare all the pizzas and they put it in the reservoir and it holds 70 pies. And then every night they change it, I guess. There's going to be some screenplay about one of those machines gets stolen in a great pizza heist or something like that. Same way people steal like (laughs) ATM. Someone's going to heist a pizza robot machine. I thought you were going to say it was like, well, someone coughed on one pie and like, oh, it's like yeah. a, you know, an outbreaks type movie. And you got, I mean, <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty bad COVID comedy there, I guess. But, you know, I'm sure it's totally fine. I still can't get over how many people over Facebook when we were chatting about coming back the first time last year and how many people like a dozen, two dozen were like, 
oh, your first movie back should be Outbreak or Contagion. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think so. I respectfully disagree. I want to go to the movies and watch Gremlins, watch Army of Darkness, watch 2001. Yeah. I don't want to watch Contagion. I don't want to like... Yeah, we need a crowd pleaser, not a crowd scarer. <laughs> I can't imagine. I haven't seen Outbreak since whatever, 95, 96. I haven't seen it mm. forever and ever. But I remember the opening of that movie being in a movie theater. That was the gag. Like the opening scene was in a movie theater. Somebody coughs. If I'm remembering correctly, you see little like CGI germs floating around. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't imagine watching that now. That That's, <laughs> I can imagine watching 10 of the most grotesque slasher torture porn movies instead of that in a cinema with 50 other people right now. Yeah, it's not even fun animated germs like the Nicorette commercials where they're like, you're <laughs> yeah. critting. I'd watch that. I mean, if they were the outbreak germs, but, you know, it's not the same. I'm sure some Mayfair type cinema somewhere played outbreak as a gag right now. But me, I'm just like, oh, too soon. <laughs> it's already sad enough. Like we just got news that the two major chains in the uh, states are closing down or, yeah, or not opening something. up again is more accurate. Yeah. And that's like a huge loss. It's, it's hard to picture for us Canadians, but just we kind of have our, our ear to the ground and just Cinerama. Was, I mean, like, like there was a major scene of that in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's a that's right crazy cinema. And it's just, I kind of suspect someone's going to step in. Maybe Tarantino himself. I kind of think someone might rescue it, but who knows? I can see some of the individual cinemas for sure. Mm-hmm. But the chain, though, it's funny. People don't understand how, how much work it is and how much money it is. But some people were just tweeting Ryan Johnson or Edgar Wright or whatever and being like, you guys should should save it. And one, I'm kind of like, well, I'm sure they wouldn't mind helping, but they've got jobs. They're busy doing <laughs> yeah. other things. And how much money do you think Ryan Johnson has? Like, I'm sure he got a nice paycheck for directing a Star Wars movie. But Ryan Johnson does not have $100 million in the bank to purchase a chain cinema franchise that has dozens and dozens of cinemas all over North America, that's not cheap. Yeah, that should have been part of his Knives Out 2 and 3 budget, though. Yeah. And they were like, okay, but you got to buy me Cinerama. Like, I can see that, like somebody saving those iconic cinemas. But they mean, like, it's the equivalent of if Cineplex just announced they're closing, right? Like, that's what's going on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically. Well, and, and I've been to the Arclight, the downtown LA one. Like, I saw the last Bond film there. And it's a cool cinema. Like, it's very neat. But it's, you know, yeah, like you said, like, it's crazy expensive. It's nice for a reason. Like, it costs so much. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And, I mean, in the States now, like, you've got your Alamo Draft House chain, which I think they're doing okay. But stranger things have happened, and I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to, you know, make light of it because it's in Canada. Of course, it's countless amounts of jobs. But if this happened in the states, Cineplex announcing the same thing would not be unheard of. Mm -hmm. So it's it's very interesting to see what's going to happen in the next little while. But but having said that, Godzilla is in a bunch of screens all over the world right now, or Godzilla Kong, and it's made something like three hundred and fifty million dollars. Mm -hmm during these times so that's good to see hopefully everyone's doing it safely and everything but that's showing that a movie that is on quote-unquote tv still made 350 million dollars mm -hmm. so that's telling that cinema can exist in the post-apocalyptic times yeah because that's almost like a billion if you think about it like if it was like a normal release yeah like to make like almost 400 during this time is just wow it's crazy and then they just do the math right because then how many people 
got a subscription to HBO down in the States. So they made another bunch of money there. Mm -hmm. A handful of those people are going to buy a Blu-ray of it. It's going to go onto a normal streaming service. They're going to get some money from it there. It'll go onto a normal TV channel for a bit. So there's all this like domino effect that is, that has always been important, but now we're never going to be not in this world now. Every big movie is going to be, it's on a channel at the same time as it's in the big screen. Uh, I think that's just going to happen more and more. And again, I think the Mayfair will survive that fine, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with the multiplexes because they need to sell a lot more tickets than we do. Yeah. We got like seven minutes to look at your old schedule. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> today, it's so funny having that deadline, but it works. 40 minutes is a good <laughs> length for a podcast. Yeah. Today, I posted April 11th through May 29th, 1993. I think that's funny because including myself, Everybody calls these monthly schedules, but they're not monthly schedules. They're this weird seven week schedule starting on the 11th of April. I never kind of noticed that before that it's not April 93. It's not May 93. It's this weird seven week block. Mm -hmm. And then the next schedule after this would start on May 30th. It's very strange. So I posted this one today with the Twitter tag of on this day in 1993, you could go see a double bill of Repo Man and Howard the Duck at the Mayfair. And nowhere else in the world. Probably. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd have to think. And this was my peak high school years. Like my friends and I were living at the Mayfair. And the one on this schedule that I really remembered, and it's crazy that the Mayfair wasn't charging extra, like they could have charged a higher ticket price for this. But my friends and I were very excited to go see a triple bill of CB4, Army of Darkness, and Trespass. <laughs> Man, that's a long day. Trespass is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a triple bill. Yeah, those are all gems, really. I mean, different, very different movies. But... And I seem to recall, I guess these were all universal pictures. And I believe that CB4 was essentially a brand new film. I don't think it got play in the multiplexes of the time. So I think this was like Universal dumped it and was like, yeah, yeah, play it with two other movies. That's okay. I love the Army of Darkness, Darkman, Sam Raimi double bill. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, so they still totally had double bills that were thematic. They had got Clockwork Orange and The Shining, Bram Stoker's Dracula and Innocent Blood. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's funny that stuff that's clearly just two movies of the same distributor and they just randomly put it on. But I'm always fascinated by the timing because on April 23rd, they've got this movie called Used People. And it's just a very grown-up movie. It's Shirley MacLaine, Kathy Bates, a drama. And then the 910 show is Home Alone 2. <laughs> That's so bizarre to me. That's so strange. A double bill of a grown-up movie and a kid movie. The kid movie's on at 910 on a Friday night. And I was like, you think you'd at least put Home Alone on at 7 so the kids could go see it, but... Yeah, or like heavy metal at seven. But at least with Barbarella, it makes some sense. But it's still like seven's pretty early for heavy metal, I feel like. Yeah. Or once again, on a Tuesday night, Tuesday, May 25th, there's a seven o'clock show of Rocky Horror and a nine o'clock show of Eraserhead. Rocky Horror is, I think, about an hour and 45 minutes long, which means there's no time for cleaning or anything. Why not put Rocky Horror on the nine o'clock slot? It's fascinating stuff. Yeah. Maybe they didn't clean. Yeah. Well, yeah, Eraserhead weirdos wouldn't care, to be honest. Probably. They're just like, wow, I got to see this weird ass movie. It's really interesting to just armchair quarterback it, though, and be like, why are you making these weird decisions? 
Yeah. Hey, check out the very last movie on the schedule, though. What do we got there? <laughs> yeah. Your boy, Amos and Andrew. Amos and Andrew. <laughs> Which we've talked about several times the last few weeks. The Nick Cage, Sam Jackson vehicle that would never oh. get made in 2011. Bad movie. Oh, my God. Not 2011. 2021. It wouldn't get made in 2011 either, probably. Probably, I mean, yeah. It was not a good film. Or the day before is Groundhog Day and A Few Good Men. That's weird. What's funny is I was just talking about A Few Good Men earlier today on Twitter for the first time in, I don't know, 10, 15 years. So it's kind of spooky to see it on here. The movie or A Few Good Men? Both, but the movie. <laughs> this particular, Because I was thinking about, in particular, that scene where he's like, oh, he does think better with that bat. <laughs> it's just like a little throwaway gag. But I'm like, Kevin Pollack is an unsung hero. I'm going to say it. Oh, yeah. So we got three minutes left. Any quick recommendations from you two before we wrap up? Oh, that's good. Andrew, go first. Well, the other night I watched a classic from the director of Casablanca called The Sea Wolf. Hmm. Oh, I've heard of it. With Edward G. Robinson, John Garfield, and Ida Lupino. And we showed a bunch of Ida Lupino movies a while back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's based, it's like, it's set on a, a ship, and it's Edward G. Robinson is this evil ship captain, and... He has some stowaways and there's a mutiny that's arising and it's like a really kind of dark and cool high sea adventure. Cool. That's good. My recommendation is a bad film because it was from Bad Movie Night. <laughs> you got to have one of those. Exactly. So it's, it was written and produced and starring Louise Linton, who is the wife of Steven Mnuchin, the former Secretary of the Treasury of the United States. What? And <laughs> apparently she wrote it over the weekend and it, like it took a weekend, not last weekend. But it's basically just it's basically a female American psycho, but starring this woman who just auteured the whole thing. And it, it is entertaining, but very bad. And you said, oh, turd. Well, basically, I should have said that. <laughs> it's called Me, You, Madness. That's the name of the movie. And she does say it at one point near the end. She's like, Me, You, Madness? And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a good movie. <laughs> so it's very room-like. Or sorry, The Room-like, not room-like. And yeah, just very, very awful, but very entertaining. So yeah, kudos to you, Louise Linton. She did it. Yeah, she made it. Okay, down with one minute to go. I will quickly recommend... A movie that doesn't need any recommendation because it's all over the place right now. But we watched Nomadland and it is as good as everyone says it is. Frances McDormand is great. Oh, that's right. That's out. And it's just a real great, simple character study about a middle-aged woman who's had a rough time and now she's become a nomad and lives in her van and sees America. And it's it's sad, but it has some really good character moments and is very well-deserved of the praise. So. Yeah, that's great. So that's mine. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with another Mayfair Theater podcast. You can check our social media for updates. If we get any news of coming back, we'll let you know as soon as we can. And we'll see you next week for another episode of the podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Now I have time to go watch Amos and Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> you should. You can never see it too many times. Can you imagine that movie today? We're going to pitch you a movie. <laughs> oh, God. It's so bad. It's not even well-written. Andrew Sterling has always dreamed of leaving the big city and escaping to a secluded island. No stress, no hassles, no problems. That is, until he met another man trying to escape. I know you're in here. Andrew meets Amos. I have a shotgun. You have a frying pan. And in one wild night... A one million dollars! Uh, and a helicopter!
Put your weapon down. Let your hostage go. Two guys from two different worlds. Maybe you've heard of the Pulitzer Prize. You won that? I did. How much you win? In one fell swoop, became partners in crime. We're gangsters. Freeze! We're outlaws. <laughs> Sounded like they were getting pretty chummy to me. Two people who came to an island for one reason. Get it! To escape. Sit! Not you. Nicholas Cage. Contributing to the delinquency of a minor. What do you have to say about that? She looked 18. Samuel L. Jackson, Amos, and Andrew. A comedy about two mismatched men trying to escape from each other.